0: the show. You call in at 347 989 Uh, gun violence, and all of the issues uh, uh, that plague uh, the average black urban community across the United States of America. And I'd like to introduce Ms. Ruth Moore. How are you today, Ms. Moore? I'm doing
1: fine. Thank you, Kenny. Thanks for having me.
0: Good, good. So um, why don't you tell the uh, audience and the downloaders a little bit about yourself.
2: Well,
1: um, I was born in sunny uh, San Bernardino, California, and moved to Los Angeles in my elementary years, and pretty much stayed in LA until the early '90s. And decided to uh, move to Virginia Beach just for a better way of life. Um, uh, during that period, there was a lot going on. It was post Rodney King and just a lot of police brutality and things that were going on. I had two small children at the time, ages uh, two and seven or two let's see two yes two and seven and just just wanted them to have a better way of life. So we went to Virginia Beach for about four years. then we ended up making what we call our second home in um in Atlanta, Georgia. And that's pretty much where uh, I was able, by God's grace, to raise my children and um, get them off to both off to historical black colleges. Uh, my son Ian went to Fort Valley College, which is out near Macon, for those listeners who are familiar with uh, the state of Georgia, uh, James Brown Town, uh, Macon. Uh, so Fort Valley is out there. It's a little small town not far from uh, Warner Robins and the Macon, Georgia area. My daughter decided to go out of state to Fayetteville State in North Carolina, where Fort Bragg is located. And from there on, I went to went on to be a foster parent for seven years, which is near and dear to my heart, very compassionate about our children, because so we know the children are truly our future. So I taught foster parents in um, Gwinnett, Georgia County's IMPACT program, and i also was a resource parent or a foster parent for 7 years um helping to raise and educate um children from ages 3 days old to 17 year, old, year years old so well uh, was able to help about 60 children over the course of 60 plus children over the course of 7 years and while while being a mom and Being a foster parent, I also worked a full-time job, mainly in the sales arena, um, inside sales, outside sales. I worked for small companies, corporate, larger companies, uh, such as McKesson and Office Depot, um, and basically worked with uh, healthcare sales, durable medical equipment, and, um, like I said, inside and outside sales. So... Um, just always been a a natural person to build rapport. That's very important when you're in a cell, any type of sales, whether it's over the phone or in person. You have to be, you have to actually like people and be able to build a relationship. So that's kind of where I am now, working in technology sales. So that's actually a, a newer field that I've tapped into.
0: Let me ask you something. So. You're part of the corporate arena, uh, so you know business pretty well, I imagine. Um, can, in your analysis, what is what do you, how the, what do you think about the state of the economics of of black communities in America? What?
1: Well, I think it's been proven time and time again that we must have our own businesses i mean we are natural creative free thinkers very intelligent we have a natural entrepreneurial spirit and you see that um, of course social media plays a huge part because you can you know view at any time a small child that maybe um Likes, learn, learned about bow ties, and, and now he has his own bow tie business. I can't think of this brilliant little young man, but gosh, he's probably in elementary or, or maybe middle school or junior high. But, um, you know, you just hear the stories about people, about black people starting their own businesses. You know, of course, we're we're known for doing hair and barbershops and cosmetology, and that's been a way that we've been able to build um Wealth, or at least to have businesses in our community. So it's it's really pretty neat to see the different types of BODs or black owned businesses that are just popping up everywhere. Um, I was looking at an article the other day that was saying it was talking about the um, black owned banks. You know, there used to be, you know. 50-plus banks now, we're at less than half, you know, 19 to 21 black-owned banks in the United States. So just going back to to your main question, um, we're more consumers than we are, um, you know, manufacturers or business owners or creating business. If you want to create the business in hopes that one day you leave that business to your offspring, to your children, that you can incorporate your uh, siblings even um, into the business, and then as you retire or die, <laughs> whichever comes first, you want to be able to leave a legacy. So I think that's very important in our community. It doesn't matter, you know, it's whatever God has gift- gifted you with. Whatever you do well, um, uh, whatever you have a passion about, um, whatever you will do, even if someone didn't pay you, you like doing hair or you like painting nails or you like making clothes or making making people's faces up um, you know that's, that's something really big right now where a lot of people are into the whole cosmetology and the fashion and things like that so like I say we're created by nature so we already have that gift we just need to put it into action
0: Why do you think it's difficult do you think it's difficult for African Americans to begin their own businesses or become entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, I yeah, it's very difficult because it just seems and it's just my own opinion that when other people come over here from other countries, they have more support. They have more help. They're more the climate is more welcoming to them now versus uh, you know so many years ago. So now when people come from India from Korea, uh, even from Mexico um, and even from Africa as well but in particular um, like the Indian culture they come over um, you know they have the gas stations and cleaners and a lot of the business the small uh, grocery stores or grocery you know, mini marts connected to gas stations, Korean, you know they have the restaurants, the fried chicken and Chinese food. I was just in LA a few weeks ago, and it was a chicken place, like a brand name chicken place. That in small print under the sign it said Chinese food, and we went in there, and it was all people from the Orient that are making all this chicken and Chinese food. But it's a it's a it's a restaurant that historically. Would have probably been something that maybe our grandparents owned. So I think that the climate and the economic, the way the system is set up, it's it's um it's more flexible uh, for others where we're Americans, and it's harder for us to not only secure the business but for us to support you know our people in those business endeavors.
0: Why do you think it's so difficult for black folks to support black big black owned businesses?
1: Well, I I, I just, like to say once again, it's just my opinion, and, and I think we, we we you know some of us have have this this issue. We don't trust one another, and it's it's ironic because we we don't have a problem trusting everyone else that you know that gets in our pocket, whether it's going to the, uh, be- the, what is it? the beauty store that has the the beauty supply store where you're going to get uh, hair to braid your hair or sew on your hair or whatever you want to do with it. So we have no problem patronizing businesses. You get your gas from, you know, the guy from Pakistan or India that's down the road. you think nothing of it because, well, you know you need gas. So you get the gas and then you buy the trinkets and things like that. But, um, it's just something i mean we 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 <laughs> we eat everyone else's food, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so but then, when it's
0: our food it, um, it sure, you it it would make it easy it should sure make it easy the to person fifty percent of our population like <laughs> uh uh in the late nineties in the mid nineties, there was a news article in New York Times. How much, you talk about the Chinese restaurant. The, in fact, let, let me say this. The Chinese restaurant in the black community is different from the Chinese restaurant in the suburbs, where mostly uh, uh, in white communities. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, yes. Yes, it was found that, that that the Chinese restaurant in the black black-dominant communities, especially in the black urban areas, uh, they had this, they were putting this this seasoning in called MSG or something like that, and, and it's really not good for the body. But they weren't putting it in other restaurants that was in predominantly white neighborhoods. So yeah. so that fact it, they they could really really uh, uh, which would affect our our uh, the. The 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 Chinese restaurant in the uh, black neighborhoods is number fried foods, and you know fried foods is not good for most black. Even I, I like fried fried chicken, you know, but I can't eat it every night. Also, uh, 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 yeah, and McDonald's, yeah, steroids. They have steroids in the food, in, in the beef, and what have you. So, yeah, uh, it's not like to the days I was coming up, uh, or you go to a black restaurant, you you receive home cooked, nourished food like moms was cooking at the kitchen stove in your house. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yes, it's it's
1: um you know there's a there's a few you know black owned restaurants out there that are doing very well know oftentimes because they don't have the support and and I always say uh, when it comes to black-owned businesses or historical you know black colleges and universities state colleges and universities if we don't support our own meaning our own black-owned businesses our own entrepreneurs our own uh historical black colleges who are we our own businesses, our own firms. It has to start with us. If it starts with us, then the foundation will be built that will keep it up and running and keep and make it profitable. And then it won't matter if no one else supports it because we're supporting it. Just like, you know, you keep hearing about, you know, the, and I think, Kenny, I think you have the numbers on this. Um, what is it? How many trillions of dollars
0: do, do we as black people spend? One point. trillion, and it's going up, $1.1 trillion.
1: Yeah, so when you hear someone say, I really don't have the money, yes, you do, (laughs) because you're spending it. It's a collective number. You know, it's it's a team effort. That's something that we have united on. We have actually united on. Pooling all of our money together to support everyone else's business, so they can take it back to their home, to their communities, and circulate it double-digit times in their communities, where they say I, I just hear it that, and I can pull it up online. The black dollar m- may circulate once, <laughs> you know, from from your paycheck, from your direct deposit, or if you take it to the predatory lending to the check cash place. Well, right then, right off the top, you're given. A huge percentage away just to even cash your check, you know, and and it's 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 systematic. It's sad. I mean, education, the miseducation, if you will, of the Negro, if you will, of Black people, plays a big role in it. Some people um, just don't know any better or don't see the importance of it, and you know, some are just struggling so much they just they just trying to get their check cash, you know. So, I, I understand that, but it's just that we have to do better. There's so much information. I mean, you can open up an online, you know, black owned bank account. You don't have to live in Charlotte or Atlanta or LA in order to, or North Carolina in order to open up a, 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 a bank account online to support a black bank. I mean, we have to support our banks. We, like I say, we have about 20 or so left. We have to support them so that, um, you know, they can continue to thrive. And we just had a huge story with Killer Mike, He, you know, him and Usher and some others, Jermaine Dupree, a lot of the Atlanta guys, the Atlanta celebs. They got together and they really made a move to put, like, 8,000 new accounts. I mean, the Citizens Bank could barely, like, they probably had to hire more people, even if they were, you know, temps or whatever to come in and manage that traffic coming in. The banks but that's a good problem to have it's a good problem to have that you had to pay overtime as a as a business because you had so many new account holders why
0: do you think black folks don't trust each other when it comes to business
1: I'm sorry can you repeat your question
0: why do you think black folks don't trust each other when it comes to businesses
2: well, I
1: I think part of it is um it's kind of embedded in us. In other words, it's kind of like it's it's environmental. I don't think it's innate, meaning that I don't think that we're born like totally not trust me, we're apprehensive. But if you're envir- you when you're born, you know, you're apprehensive, you have fears of the unknown and things like that or maybe someone that you don't deal with or deal with on a regular basis, but the fact that when you have a black-owned business, unfortunately, it's just, unless it's our own family or our homeboy or homegirl or sore or frat or, you know, cousin or aunt or something like that, if we don't know that person, meaning have some type of relationship or connection to that person that's black that has a black-owned business, that's not our first choice. We'll go to Billy Bob's down the road. We'll we'll go to Walmart to get something because you know it's a little less. So we go get it from there. But then we end up spending more at Walmart when you could have went to the black-owned business on the corner, and you know supported that particular business. But it's just not a first choice for us. I think I think it goes back to slavery. Um, just you know just how the 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 mental brainwashing you know just everything that's happened to us in slavery times I think I think Dr. King said it best when he said we have to I think he said we have to squeeze the 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 slave out the negro so in other words he's talking about a mentality he's not talking about the person he's talking about the mind the thinking of the person so if you're thinking like a European type of thinking for everything. Like everything you think European. You know, you don't think Afrocentric or, you know, you don't think, well, let me let me see if I can find a black owned business or I heard something about this or I saw this on social media. You know, what's it gonna take for us to say, I'm going to try it and tell others about it without being negative to say, Well, they don't treat me right there or their prices are higher. Well I guess the prices are higher because they don't have enough traffic Meaning people coming in the store with their black dollars circulating it in that business. So yeah, your prices are going to be, have to be higher because you have to pay more as a business person. You're going to have to pay more for your product because you're you're not you're not having such a high profit margin to where you can lower the price. Only way you can get those revenues that money into the business is by your consumers coming in and spending. We, we are spenders. All of us are spenders. It's where you spend your money. We're just not strategic with that, unfortunately. And I think we're all guilty, you know, we're all guilty of doing it. What
0: do you think it's going to take, what do you think it's going to take for us to take that $1.1 $1. $1 trillion as consumers and become producers and manufacturers? wow
1: I wish i if I had the answer to that, I'd be a rich woman um or at least extra extra pretty darn extra popular um I think okay. one I think something we can do is uh we have to be strategic if if we can come up with a plan and I like when they do the blackouts and you know don't spend on black friday and you know i'm I'm saddened that it comes it comes up when another you know person of color has been shot, you know, for blinking, um, you know, shot and then asked questions later, and and dead men don't talk. So it's, you know, I mean, it's
0: just. What, What do you think we are a reactionary people instead of a proactive people?
1: It's what we have, like, morphed into. Because our history shows us back to Africa, you know, what type of people we were and how intelligent we were and how when the European came to us, they were near crawling on all fours. I mean, you know, we taught them their math and they followed our systems. And this stuff can be backed up. You know, so we didn't, even though American history leaves us out and tells us very little, you know, and te- you know that's the, the, the educational system. The curriculum that is taught in our schools teaches very little about us. So you only learn about them, and we all know who the them are. It's not a, a you know, it's not being prejudiced. It's being factual. So when you know that that this is what you're not being taught, then it's incumbent upon parents and grandparents to do like like the African ancestors did they passed down stories and 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 told, you know, their stories about the history so that the children could learn. And I think that's what we're missing. We're misinformed. We're 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 only educated in the, you know, the K through 12 European, you know, low performing. I mean, Georgia Georgia has been in the 40th percentile since the 80s. So I mean, but they have some of the best colleges, best collegiate experiences in the world with UGA and Georgia Tech and everything. So I think the education is the key. If we can educate ourselves beyond what we were taught, yeah, take that as a foundation. You know, just take it as a foundation. It's like your basic ABCs and one, two, threes. You need the basic foundation, but you have to step outside the box and read a book and, you know, look at. The history of our people and you know stock that we came from, you know we were a proud people. We were humble. We were uh, were really genius. You know we were creative. We made our own. If we didn't have a broom at home, we took some straw and some bamboo, wire and a stick and made a broom and swept the floor. We didn't just keep saying, "Gosh, you know I, I wish that dust would get off the floor." No, we. We put things into action. So we've just become complacent. We're a microwave society. We want everything in 3.5 seconds. Uh, we're very spoiled. Um, you know, we figure, you know, if we look good on the outside, haven't done any work on the inside, then, then therefore we're okay because we look good and we have a nice car. And, you know, it's, it's we've lost our, our family, our Afro African family values. We've lost a lot of that.
0: Um. Speaking about, you said something that was ironic. You said that first we had to open up a book. Uh, I had a joke that about us from the European culture. You know how you keep things from a a, a, a black man. Put it in the book. That's how oh yeah, you I've heard from. that
2: before. Mm-hmm. And also,
0: it said that uh, a black man is dangerous. Is more dangerous with a book than a gun. Mm. And I and I just want to add this. Everything in your house, especially the kitchen, a black man was involved in venting it, but the white man patented. it. So uh um so that's ironic what you said about uh, 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 Think it outside the box. Uh, uh, the education you have to beat the foundation, and you have to re- re-read the book. You have to open up the book, and 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 and, and we got to start developing strategic plan. Like Dr. Clark said, that he also said that we have to have a plan, and uh, 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 it's something that happened with this particular team. get old seven zero two six one you're
2: on the air. Hi, yeah, how are you guessing?
0: today? I'm fine, thank you. You have a question or a statement?
3: Well I just jumped on it so I'm listening, but I'm sure I will.
0: Okay. Would you like to add something?
3: I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. I just jumped on my phone, so I'm not sure what you're talking about. All
0: right. Let me put you back in uh in the queue uh, so tell me uh, again the question was how are african American children functioning in the foster care system
3: that
1: very poorly um Oftentimes, when they are adopted, it is by non-black families. Now, of course, love has no color. You know, I'm all with that. However, you already have a black child who has been broken, who's probably been physically and mentally and emotionally abused. And with that said, probably didn't get a lot of information about who they are. when they're raised by a family that doesn't look like them, that may not be as sensitive to who they are, um, how could they be when, um, you know, they're they're not black? Now, try as they will, and a lot of them are, you know, they adopt our children a lot. I mean, I've seen it over and over again where you'll have white families that adopt black children. You see it a lot. And even as foster parents, a lot of the white foster parents, they took in the black children as well. Um, And there's so many of us in the foster care system, but it's so important that that child learns who they are, where they came from, something about themselves, and learn to love themselves. They can still you know, love their adoptive family, of course. However, it's so important, which gets minimized, to learn about who they are and that they're important and special too. And they don't have to assimilate into, uh, you know, a particular way of thinking that, you know, that's that's a has a European base to it, you know. Um, they are children of color. They're going to be treated differently in society. It doesn't matter what they do, what you know, how how however they present the children. At the end of the day, they, day they can't change their hue. They can't change the color of their skin. So it's very important that those children are being educated and that they're being taught about themselves. Now, unfortunately, foster care has dropped the ball. Now, as much as they try to do the right thing. You know, it's so many moving parts, and the foster care defects is what it's called in Georgia. It's a big machine, and oftentimes it's a broken, you know, worn-out machine. You know, so it's it. A lot of times, our children go through that foster care system for different reasons. You know, the the parents are disconnected from the children. And oftentimes they, they go into group homes, and then they're aged out of the system, and then you know, if they didn't have mentorship, if someone didn't stop and take the time to really mentor that child from foster care system, that black child, oftentimes they end up in the prison system. I mean, I've seen documentaries. The first thing the, the guy says in prison, "Well, I grew up in foster home." You know, well, how would you act in society if you had 20 different homes and, you know, 25 different parents, and some of them weren't so nice to you? I mean, it's it's uh it's very detrimental. Um, you know, I I think there are good things about the foster care system because let's face it, it's our taxpayer dollars, and I'm expecting our taxpayer do- dollars to work for us and you know, work for our children when they are in need but it is a very broken system. I mean, um, you know, there have been children, there's cases you can pull them up online to where children have been placed back in the abusive home of their parents and caregivers and the kids have been murdered or, are beat again and damaged again. And I mean, it's just, it's a never ending cycle. And I, and, you know, I don't want to see any child of any color in foster care, but we're talking about our children and there are so many of our children in foster care.:
0: Why If foster care system is supposed — if the child protective services is supposed to protect the children, why is foster care such a broken machine? Wow!
1: If I had that, that's the million-dollar question. You know, I just think that it's it's so much bureaucracy and red tape and politics and you know, people making decisions that
0: with children, children and politics, no.
1: Uh, the question, if I if if I understood your question correctly, you're saying why is the system so broken that's affecting the, the yeah. children that are in the system? Was that your question? I do,
0: well, I said children, but politics.
1: When I said politics and bureaucracy, what I'm talking about are the powers that be, the big machine of DFAT that's making mm-hmm. decisions on these children's lives that involve a guardian at litem. Which is supposed to be the attorney for the child um, that involves CASA. Those are volunteers that go and help and assist the court. That involves judges, some who never, who don't know much about the child, only what the case manager presents to them. And you got a case manager who's overworked, underpaid, a lot of documentation not being handled properly, a lot of visits, not home visits, not not being. Performed and they're making decisions on this child's life.
0: Why would a child, you know, a foster care home supposed to be a substitute or I guess they become the primary caregiver of a child as opposed to provide the, uh, uh, the need and the warmth? and the development of the child. Why are children moving from home to home to home? Oh, that's an excellent question. I can only speak from
1: my own experience. I know one of the reasons um, was the behavioral um, issues. You have to remember that foster parents from the community, those are regular people like you and me with jobs and family and stress and life and everything that have a heart for children and have space in their home, and they want really, for the most part, they really want to help that child. But when a child comes in and the child is expressing behaviors that are either detrimental to the child or detrimental or harmful to the children in the home, then that parent or parent in the home, they have to make a decision. So oftentimes they end up, Given the children back to defects then defects has to find another home that will take these children into and they end up getting switched from home to home to home because it's, it's very difficult to manage the extreme. I mean, this isn't like babysitting your niece. You know, right. it you have Follow rules and guidelines. There's no corporal punishment. You have to follow their form of discipline. I mean, I have binders that are, you know, three inches thick with rules and guidelines and policies and procedures. And if one hair on that child's head is harmed in any form or fashion, whether it's your fault or not, while they're in your home, you will be on the news and you'll be in jail. So it's it's you know it's a tall order for for individuals who, like I say, are volunteers. They get a small stipend. Um, to be able to take care, Georgia is one of the lowest paid states. I don't know what the other states are doing, but Georgia's stipend for foster care is one of the lowest in the country on less than $15 a day. I'm sure if it's gone up since I last fostered, which was the summer of 2014, it hasn't gone up much. Now, last I checked, I don't know what you could do with a child for $15 a day. That won't even get you a good Chick-fil-A meal.
0: Which is owned by uh, which is owned by a white company. Um, uh, What are some of the the behaviors that a foster parent may observe in the home that may be different to themselves to other children or to the child itself?
1: So, so I'm understanding your question, Kenny. You're saying what type of behaviors. Or some of the
0: that that that, that might be exhibited by a child that is detrimental to the home, the other individuals in the home. If you have
1: a child that has been physically abused, um, raped by maybe a boyfriend or someone who came in the home um, before they were taken out of foster care, a child that has been involved in incest, a child that has been severely beaten, uh, starved, locked in a room, set outside. I mean, just mental and physical abuse that, that, you know, that's just unspeakable to these children. So they can't really process everything that has happened to them. So they act out. And when you are a foster parent and and you see a child is acting out, there, um, you're constantly at the school. So if you work full time, you're constantly having to take off of your job for a child who is not yours. Your job is in jeopardy. Now your livelihood is in jeopardy, and that fifteen dollars a day is not going to cut it. So you just have a lot of of issues. I mean, there's there's oftentimes. You know, if there's been a long-term abuse, you have cases where, the, you know, the parent or the caregiver before that child was removed from the home, they weren't allowed to go to school. So you can have a two-year-old who's never picked up a book. So while she's two, she is more like a four-year-old as far as her intellectual ability or younger. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can have a child that's that's 12 who should know her math and, you know, be on a certain educational level. But she's not because she hasn't been to school. She There was never any structure in the home. So you bring a child into a home that is, a foster home is supposed to have structure. You know, a foster home is like a superparent home. That's how I basically handled my foster home. I mean, it wasn't the perfect home because there's no such thing as a perfect home, but it, it was as close to by the book. That a home could be, and you have to provide that type of environment. It takes a lot of work and a lot of prayer and a lot of fortitude to be able to do that because these kids are so broken, and you have kids that are bipolar, and oftentimes you don't realize what's really going on with the sweet little child that came in your house that was just an angel and God sent to you, and then you know you can't sleep at night because they're having nightmares or they're running through the house at night, or they're breaking and throwing things, or, you know, if you don't have an alarm on your door there, especially the teens, they will leave out of your house. So it's it is real, It's a lot that's involved in the behaviors, and oftentimes um, it takes a very special and strong person to be able to to handle those behaviors because, like I say, at the end of the day, it's not your child. You can always give them back.
0: Does therapy work for black children? Um of course, when you listen to behaviors, insects, sexual abuse, rape, uh uh neglect, physical abuse, violence, family violence, some of the, the uh some of the some of the uh uh behaviors that a child may uh uh witness in their childhood years. You think that, uh, I know that some workers or case workers will make referrals to um, therapists. But yeah. if, if, as they're growing up and they get to the adolescent stage, the behaviors get worse, worse, and worse, and this is a child that's going to therapy. So, I'm, so that's why I'm asking, do therapy work for black children?
1: That's another good question because I think
2: think
1: that they need to be seen by a therapist that can understand the black experience, so someone that looks like them, because they need, we need so much more. And you're almost having to reteach that child, you know, how to be a child. And I don't, I don't have a uh, any type of psychological degree or anything like that. But just based on my experience now, unfortunately, what EHS is guilty of is the children are highly. Once they do go to a therapist, they are highly medicated. Like I've seen bags, plural, bags of medicine for foster children, in which they need a pill to wake up in the morning to function at school and a pill to go to sleep and stay asleep so they don't get up and harm themselves or harm you or harm other children or individuals in the home. Um, So, you know, it's once again, it goes back to being such a broken system because how can a 10-year-old, you know, and of course I can't give names or anything like that, but how does a 10-year-old child have 10 bottles of medicine that must be taken daily? I mean, at do that point, think,
2: go ahead. Do you
0: think if the black community was economically stable, will we have a foster care system?
1: No, I don't think there would be a need for it if we all work together and not looked at the family down the street that let's say the dad left or there was never a dad there, not ostracize them because they don't look like your average family, you know two parent home um if we would work together more and kind of do that whole village. It takes a village, you know, and kind of like when we're growing up in our generation to where you know, Miss Peggy down the road could could actually discipline you and call your mother and tell her that she boxed you because you stepped in the garden or anything. And then you prayed that your dad didn't get you when he got home or, you know, mom didn't get you again. You know, we've lost the knowing the neighbor and visiting the neighbor and working together and as a as a family and a unit and the the whole neighbor, good neighbors it's gone out the window. Most of us don't even know our neighbors anymore. You, you throw your hand up when you're coming in the house or whatever but that's not building relationships we've lost that but I think that if we had that economic base and we actually built a legacy then each generation because we're all going to die each generation would leave something more than they that generation started with so we could build wealth and build community you, you know you didn't hear about all of, I mean now people actually just Take their kids to defects when they're teenagers and say, I-, "I can't deal with them anymore." You know, it's I what, didn't know you had that luxury.
0: What do you think is the state of the black family today?
1: Well, while while a lot of us are, you know, a good number of us are doing well, upwardly mobile. However, it. You know, I say if it's one family that's suffering, we're all suffering because it's going to affect all of us, you know. Um, There are too many of us that are still below the poverty line, that are still, um, you know, um, uneducated, unemployed, um, underemployed, you know, and police brutality. There are so many woes that affect us, discrimination, systematic white supremacy. You know the, the 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 school to prison pipeline. I mean, it, it's so much that is affecting our community. Everywhere you turn, it's like arrows being shot at you all day. I mean, where you know when a child looks at the state of our conditions and our communities, where's the hope? You know, it just goes back to like what you said: economic empowerment, working together entrepreneurship, sharing information, giving a helping hand, you know, don't talk about someone's situation if you're not going to be of some type of service. If you can't help them,
0: don't hurt them with your words. Well, let's see if this sister wants to say something that she's been holding on. Yes, uh, this is Black Urban America. Yes, would you like to say something or, or, or ask a question?
3: Um, well, I would like to say something. Um, you asked... Tell um, uh, me your name. I'm sorry. My name is Alicia McCray. Okay, Alicia. Okay, and you asked um, does therapy help our children? Yes. And I yes. think it does, but for so many years uh, as a older black woman, um, yeah. you know, growing up in the 60s, 70s, you know, 80s, things like that. Um, our parents could have seen that we may have needed therapy and things like that, but as black people, we were never to therapy. So we kind of have a stigmatism like you're not crazy, so you don't need uh, therapy. But these kids have so many problems, as Ruth was saying, so many problems, so many things against them, the ones that are in foster care that need Therapy. They need someone to talk to besides the foster parent. A lot of times, like I was saying, you have a household and you may have three, four kids and you may have one or two of your own. But because of their behaviors that she was speaking of, um, if that's a child, you have a 15 year old child that has been molested and in turn he's turned around and may try to molest some of the other children in the household, including yours. And if something, if that type of situation happens, you remove them and they go to another home. And that's why they go from home to home to home to home. And like she said, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. There's not enough of us able to do it. Um, It takes a lot of time. You have to be dedicated. Um, I remember um, growing up, I had a, a girlfriend and her mother was a foster parent. And she went above and beyond. And as she stated, there's not a lot of funding. But now a lot of people do foster care because it's kind of a job. It's like, well, I have this home. I have grown kids or older kids, and and I can foster. But they're not in it to do all that needs to be done, and it's kind of like a job to them. And that's how they're maintaining it, because they don't have the resources that that these children need. They need more than just taking them to the therapist once or twice a week. They need time. We all know when you have a child, you may have four kids. They're all yours. They all have different personalities. One child may need more attention than another in different, in different ways. And it's it's hard to do that when you have a household full of kids that may be so, there for three, four months, and then they're gone. So I want,
0: to, I want to ask you, so, like, you're saying that yeah, I'm asking. I'm gonna ask it both of you. Uh, you're saying, what you're saying is that that due to the lack of resources, that's why the foster care system is not um, being effective as it should be.
3: Yes, it's not being as effective as it should be. The parents are not. Effective. I don't think they're equipped. You know, if you can take a few classes, um, things like that. They come to your house and make sure your house is clean. You have a space for them. You have a bed for them. And and basically, that's all you need to be a foster parent. It's a bed. You need space. You need to be a clean household. Home. They check it out. They don't do any psychological testing on you to see how, how mental, how stable you are. Why are you really doing it? Back in the day, a lot of people did it, and and a lot of people, they do it now. They do it because they care. But the kids, they come, they go, and and, and as Ruth said, you have a 16-year-old that's running away. You're trying to raise them the way you raise your kids, the way you, you know, the way. No, you cannot be out at 11 o'clock at night. You have to be in the house at 10 o'clock, and you have to discipline them. But they don't, you're not allowed to do that if you say the wrong thing. If you do the wrong thing, if they tell their caseworker that you struck them, they'll come and remove all the kids, including yours, from your household.
0: So you, uh, uh, so uh, I'm opening this question up to both of you. Are you saying that the foster care parent is parenting with one hand behind his or her back? and not allowed to set the boundaries and provide the discipline that is needed for them to succeed in our society.
3: Yeah,
1: the discipline has to be defects um,
3: pre-approved. Um, right, it's their regulation. That I mean, yeah. I'm old school, so it, it's a different. Because yeah. if I tell you, uh, um, defects may want me to give them a timeout if they're doing something that I don't approve of. If they're if they're a child that's violent and, you know, they, they were hit, and when they don't get their way and you tell them, okay, no more video games, we ate, we did our homework, um, we're having family time, you can watch TV for an hour, it's 9 o'clock, it's time to go to bed. They don't want to go to bed, and you tell them, no, well, you have to, whatever, you know, okay, well, you're going to go to time, and they go out the door.
0: you got anything to add or say
1: about anything about what uh, Alicia said? I think she's she's right on point with you know the experiences that you have as a foster parent. Your your hands are tied. Um, you know you you're constantly um you're, you're trying to follow the rules to best your ability because you don't you know you don't want to risk your well being um then you won't be any good to anyone the foster child would, wouldn't have a good foster parent because you know they've taken you in for you know violating or something like that so it's um it's a tight rope um to to manage it is very rewarding if you can you know develop a strategy and and for the children that are in your home you never know how long they're going to be there but it is a very very difficult job and you know, there are some uh, foster parents out there that really care, that really have the best interests of the child, and just unfortunately you have that small number of foster parents that are, are guilty of, of um, damaging that child further. And then you have the, the DFAC system or CPS or whatever it's called in, in your state or county um, that to where you have the social workers who really care, who really want to help the child and have them in a safe home or safe environment. And then you have that number of uh, case managers that are overworked and, like I said, underpaid, stressed out, trying to manage life on their own, um, and really aren't available to assist the foster parent. And that's where a lot of problems come in as well, when you can't reach your caseworker and you need an answer you have to be very resourceful when you're a foster parent because oftentimes you're not going to be able to reach that case manager. So, you know, you have to know how to handle the situation with the child as if that was your own child, but within the guidelines
0: to protect yourself of the um, foster care system. Okay. Ms. Moore, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. At least I'd like to thank you for some of your comments. Okay. So, uh, Thank you, and both of you, y'all have a blessed evening. You
2: as well. Thank,
0: Thank you. Thank uh, a very good show at that. Uh, we, uh, we talked about a lot of uh, uh, issues concerning our community, the black family, the foster care system, how the foster care system affects our children, and also the importance of economic uh, uh, development. In our community
2: So that, that, That's it for this evening
0: That's for this week Don't forget to it up Thursday for superior power In black America See ya Oh, I forgot to tell you I am because we are. We are because I
2: am. black, and Anglo-Saxon. exchange free the that we laugh in the hill The are the house. sex is stretches So many years of depression make division. We better live it. Like a place to raise kids and open the eyes to the lies. This is so but I'm a swab to the old house. But the old child, seeing things like I was controlling, click bowling. Tricking six digits on tickets, still holding. Tricks to Paris, I civilize every savage. Give me one shot, I turn twice like the lavish. Political person the set free, stretch free. No one believes purple and screaming jet. Silver went breezing wet pissies. I think her head of Scott came, making the city that's the worst thing for women down south and every town. i need to go downtown, i don't every to and i am from every town i am oh from every